to KDL Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test and answer questions from you, the listener, or your pet cat, your grandma, your grandpa, anyone who has a question. I'm Courtney. I'm one of the librarians you will be trying to stump. I am joined by my two lovely friends, Emily and Jill. And just like last podcast, we are recording remotely and we thought we would tell you a little bit about the spaces that we were in and I'll start because mine is very boring. I am just in my home office which is a pretty small bedroom. Um, I've got a couple of blankets scattered around because somewhere I read that that helps with the sound and I also have my dog napping Um, so not very exciting um, to describe. Jill where are you sitting? I am in my basement in the guest bedroom, in the closet, behind the curtains. So I'm literally the librarian behind the curtain today. She is quite literally. <laughs> uh, that's pretty great, Jill. <laughs> Emily, where are you chilling? So I am in my bedroom, but I've made a fort to sit inside because, again, I wanted to have something like soft-sided around me. And I've got one dog inside the fort and one dog outside of the fort. You got a guard dog on both sides. In good company. That's right. Who's in the fort? Is it Oliver in the fort and Molly outside? Oliver is in the fort. Earlier, Molly was under the fort. That's fair. But she has since moved, so that was good. (laughs) Yeah, but Oliver's inside. He's kind of a mama's boy. Yeah, he is a sweetie. All right. We are here to answer some questions. Jill, hit us with the first question of the pod. Okay, our first question comes from Francis, age eight and a half, from our Gaines branch. And Francis asks... What is the tallest building in the whole wide world? In the whole world. All right. This is a great question. So hello, Francis. And you aren't alone in being fascinated by tall buildings. I think whenever we go into a city, people are really drawn to the tallest buildings. So, for example, in like New York City, um, you can go to the Empire State Building. In Chicago, you can go to the John Hancock or the Sears Tower. In Seattle, you can go um, to the top of the Space Needle, which I have been to two out of four of those. So I've been to the Space Needle and the John Hancock. Um, I didn't go to the Empire State Building to the top when I was in New York City, but it's on the bucket list. Have either of you been to the top of the Empire State Building? When I was little... I did, and I think it was kind of lost on me. Probably. Um, but I've also been to uh, the John Hancock and the Space Needle at, like as teens and adults. So um, those are pretty yeah. cool. I'll have to go back. Yeah, Yeah, I've been to the top of Empire State Building, Hancock, uh, Sears Tower, and also One World Trade Center. Oh, oh, yeah. I always forget about that. But anyways, humans have been fascinated by tall buildings for a super long time. For example, ancient Egyptians built the pyramids, and the tallest pyramid is 481 feet tall. Before the modern era of architecture, there are many other tall buildings like cathedrals and the Eiffel Tower. Um, The first skyscraper was built in... Emily, what's your guess? Oh, boy. The first skyscraper. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh... Oh, somewhere in the U.S. I feel like there's a lot of like European countries that don't necessarily take things so high. Yeah. 
because it like ruins the view. That is true. So I don't know where. Uh, so it was built in 1885, and it was the home insurance building in Chicago. Um, it ah, was okay. 10 stories and 138 feet high. And two important things were invented in the 1880s that made it possible for a skyscraper um, to be built. Um, the first is a new way to make steel. Steel is a material made of iron ore and other elements used to build buildings to make sure that they're really sturdy and they can withstand a lot of wear and tear. And in 1856, Henry Bessemer discovered a new way to make steel that was quick and inexpensive. Um, the next important invention was safe, emphasis on the word safe, elevators. Um, before this, people didn't want buildings any higher than five stories because that's a lot of stairs to climb. Um, but let's talk about a lot of modern stairs. tall buildings. Um, and you can find the list that we're using here in a Wikipedia article about the tallest buildings in the world. Um, many of these buildings have their own Wikipedia pages if you want to learn more about these buildings. Um, and the list includes the world's sky, the world's tallest skyscraper, or the world's skyscrapers that are taller than 1,150 feet. And there are 79 buildings currently in the world that are on this list. And the oldest building on the list is one that we previously mentioned, which is the Empire State Building. This building was built in 1931 in New York City, and it is 1,250 feet, making it number 53 on the list of tall buildings. So it's pretty far down there. Um, the Empire State Building was the world's tallest building from 1931 until 1972. So the other 52 buildings all came um, in the 70s or earlier than that. So the current tallest building has been the tallest building since 2009, so a little over 10 years, and it's in Dubai. It's called the Burj Khalifa. I really hope I said that right because I literally looked up how to say it before the podcast. Um, but this building stands at 2,722 feet tall, um, and it's won several awards for its height, including World's Highest Restaurant, um, which can be found on the 122nd floor, which is at 1,450 feet. <laughs> can you imagine? I ate, um, I didn't eat, but I went up to that restaurant that's at the top of the Amway downtown. And even that, and that is not high in comparison to this at all. Even that, I was like, ooh, I'm a little, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, I've been to, like, inside of much shorter buildings and felt like it was very high. Yeah. I can't imagine what that would feel like to be on the top of there. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to learn more about skyscrapers, we have a few recommendations that will be linked in the show notes, including um, the best visuals, um, which has the biggest and tallest, fastest, but if you, about that building in Dubai. But if you want the most information about how these tall buildings are built, um, you can try the book Skyscrapers, which is published by Nat Geo Kids. And we love a good Nat Geo Kids books. They're full of good information and also some really great um, photos. So that is the answer to your question, Francis. We hope you enjoyed it. Also, one of my favorite things about tall buildings are the old ones that were built because then there's pictures of like the crew 
just like sitting on beams way up in the mm-hmm. sky, like having their lunch. And, and it's kind of wild to think how far we've come in the construction of these build- big buildings. So. Oh, for sure. And also, tall buildings makes me think of tall bridges. And that is probably my biggest fear is bridges. Like, I do not like the Mackinac Bridge. <laughs> if you're from Michigan, you know about the Mackinac Bridge. And... um it's scary okay it's scary it like it makes noise if you drive on the inside lane but then if you drive on the outside lane like hello there's lake huron and lake michigan just chilling out there and the wind gets going and, and you wind. can like feel the wind oh, it's not it's not a fun time okay but it's it's worth it to go to the UK that's what the boats back. are for um yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right jill do you have a interesting fun fact of the day to share with us I do, but I did just want to mention that I realized I didn't put this in the notes, but uh, that tallest building, been the tallest building since 2009, probably going to be usurped as the tallest building by 2025. There's buildings under construction now that will be even taller. That's honestly a little scary. (laughs) Like the idea that that building is like, um, pretty close to like half a mile tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty close to that. Like a mile is over five thousand feet, and that was over two thousand feet. That's scary. I don't think I will be visiting that. I do want to visit the Eiffel Tower though at some point in my life, but that's not quite as high. As no, no, no. That's before the modern <laughs> no. era. But yes. Um, right, so Jill, let's let's talk about facts. So this is a very interesting fact book. It's called Cats React to Science Facts. So it is a book of science facts, but it includes on each page cats' reactions to these science facts. So you got facts and you got cats. So if you like both of those things, this is the book for you. Best of both worlds. Yes. So here is worlds. a fact, a science fact about the ear today. The three smallest bones in the human body are found in the middle ear, and the smallest bone is only 0.1 inch long, which is as long as a flea. You know, cat facts. Cats really care about fleas. Wow, that is, yeah, 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 that is a tiny bone. According to this cat, this is a mind-blowing fact. So, just so you know. I am right there. I'm right there with that cat. <laughs> we'll see if I can figure out how to insert, like, a mind-blowing sound when you say that <laughs> when I edit the podcast. But that's a great segue into our second question of the pod. Yes, it is. Uh, Elliot, age 8, from the Wyoming branch, asks, how do hearing aids work? That is a great question, Elliot. And I'm going to answer this one. Don't worry, friends. Emily will get to answer her question. We're just saving her question for last. Um, But first and foremost, I want to break down how hearing works. Um, And then we can dive into how hearing aids work and the different types of hearing aids that exist in the world um, and other things that aid with hearing. Because a hearing aid is like a very specific tool to help with hearing loss. There are other tools that aren't called hearing aids. So we'll get into that in a minute. But hearing, like most processes that occur in the human body, is a little tricky to explain. But luckily, we have a lot of super smart people who have figured all this stuff out and have explained it to us. So 
Rather than try to paraphrase this explanation, I am going to read you an excerpt from the Hearing Loss Association of America because they can explain it way better than I can. So first, the sound waves enter the outer ear and travel through a narrow passageway called the ear canal, which leads to the eardrum. So all this is happening while you're listening to the podcast as well. Um, the eardrum vibrates from the incoming sound waves and sends these vibrations to the three tiny bones in the middle ear. These bones are called the malus, incus, and stapes. The bones in the middle ear couple the sound vibrations from the air to fluid vibrations in the cochlea of the inner ear, which is shaped like a snail and filled with fluid. Um, an elastic partition runs from the beginning to the end of the cochlea, splitting it into an upper and a lower part. Um, this partition is called the basilar membrane because it serves as the base on which key hearing structures sit. So once the vibrations cause that fluid inside the cochlea to ripple, a traveling wave forms along the basilar membrane. Uh, hair cells, hair cell sensory cells sit on top of the basilar membrane and ride the wave. Um, as the hair cells move up and down, these microscopic teeny tiny hair-like projections known as steroslea I probably said that wrong, but we're going to go with it. That perch on top of the hair cells bump against each other. Um, or they bump against an overlying structure and bend. The bending causes pore-like channels, which are at the tips of the sterocelia, to open up. And when that happens, chemicals rush into the cell, creating an electrical signal. The auditory nerve carries this signal right to your brain, and then the sound is recognized, and you are able to understand the words that are coming out of my mouth and through your speaker. Um, they also have a great video on the web page that is linked in the show notes. So if you're more of a visual learner, um, you can watch that. So it's a super complicated but super interesting um, process how hearing works because it's not something that I think we really think about. And it, it is probably something that those of us who do not have any sort of hearing loss take for granted that these processes are able to work. And we are able to just hear what people are saying or hear podcasts or music or whatever floats your boat. Um, but to also just think that it's a sound wave until it reaches your brain. And then you're trying to think of like, oh, yeah, Jill is saying that pies are the best desserts. I don't I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not the best dessert, but go on. Uh, 100%. One of the best. Um, now, hearing loss, which would what needed to happen for you to need a hearing aid um, can happen for different reasons. So you can be born without hearing, which is called congenital hearing loss. Um, you can have pre presbycusis, I'm saying it incorrectly, which is age-related hearing loss, um, which is changes in the inner ear as you get older, resulting in a slow but steady hearing loss. Um, so hearing loss is often confused with or can complicate um, diseases such as dementia. So people can kind of think that those are the same. They're not. Um, and then also noise-induced hearing loss can happen. So if you crank that Britney Spears too loud every day in your headphones, that's too much. It's too much. Don't turn the Little podcast up too high, you know. Um, but it's, this can happen suddenly or gradually. So being exposed to everyday noises, such as listening to loud music, if you work in a loud noise environment, which we don't, but if you work in like construction, 
Um, if you're ever in like, if you're ever in like a war and you're there when a bomb goes off, that is probably an example of like sudden hearing loss. Um, and that can happen over years. So hearing loss can also be mild, moderate, severe, or profound. Um, and when communicating with someone who has a hearing, a type of hearing loss, it's always good practice to ask them how they prefer to communicate. Um, some may have a hearing aid or a cochlear implant and can be able to hear you just fine. Some may rely on lip reading or sign language. Some may utilize an assistive, li assistive listening device or like an app on their phone. Um, and some may use a combination of strategies. So it's always good to find out um, what, how they prefer to communicate with you. Um, but hearing aids, so let's get to your question. Um, hearing aids are a small electronic device that is actually inserted in your ear. There's a few different styles of hearing aids. I think the one that I most commonly see is where you can see there's um, something inside their ear, but then there's also like something behind their ear that connects to what's inside of their ear. Um, and that is that, and they work in about the same way. And that is that they work to amplify the sound. So the person with hearing loss is able to hear what is going around with them. So all hearing aids have three parts. They have a microphone, an amplifier, and a speaker. And the sound comes into the hearing aid via the microphone, which does the legwork of converting sound waves to electrical signals. The microphone sends those signals to the amplifier, which then increases the strength of those electrical signals and projects them through a speaker for the person to hear. Um, so that's how those work. Now there's also a cochlear implant, which is something that um, is also something that gets inserted into your ear to help, but it's usually inserted deep into your ear. It's not something that people can necessarily always remove, but it does have a microphone that picks up sounds from the environment. It has a speech processor, um, a transmitter and receiver, which gets the signals from that processor to convert them into electrical impulses. And an electrode array, which is a group of electrodes that collects those impulses and send them to, sends them to different regions of the auditory nerve. Um, now, these implants and hearing aids do not restore people to um, normal hearing, but they Molly. do help um, people hear better. So hopefully that answers your question, Elliot. We tried. So I I think that's like such a good point too, Courtney. That I don't I don't think I think about how I hear very often. Mm -hmm. That the description of how it happens, I have a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of thought like, well, other processes in, processes in my body are very confusing and wild but I maybe think about them more or I've learned about them mm -hmm. more um and so they don't seem quite as like like I, I can grasp those a little bit yeah more. That's interesting. I think that I follow um a handful of deaf creators on TikTok and they all have different um different ways that they aid in their hearing loss so some of them use sign language some of them um have cochlear implants so they're able to hear but also lip read and so the other thing you never want to do is you never want to assume that someone who is born deaf um instantly knows sign language because a lot of them are raised in hearing communities um 
that's why it's always best to ask them um, how they prefer to communicate, which also means that we've been wearing masks for, you know, almost two years. And I have a coworker who has, who wears hearing aids as well. And um, I know that he struggles understanding patrons, especially um, with this, but we have ways to help him and, um, you know, things like that to assist him. There's also like those masks that you can wear that have like the clear, um, space on your mouth. So people who lip read, um, if you have someone who is deaf that you work with, having a mask like that might be helpful so they can still um, read your lips if they can't hear what you're saying entirely. So, but yeah, but also always, if you're posting things online, it's always good to also make sure that you have that closed captioning um, for people who are deaf of heart or hard of hearing so that they know what you're saying if they can't hear it. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking mm-hmm. about that question. Yeah. Thank you for, for that. It's a great question. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. Courtney, what have you been reading lately? Okay. So I've actually, we just finished 2021 and I actually had a pretty good reading year. And the last book I read before the new year, um, is actually a sequel to a book I read over 10, actually, maybe not over, but probably 10 years ago, um, I read the book Out of My Mind by Sharon, Sharon Draper, and I read it when I was in college, about to become an elementary teacher, and this was when the book Wonder by R.J. Palacio was out and was getting hyped, and books about kids who weren't, um, I don't want to say the word normal because no kid is normal, but kids who were neurotypical or had physical or developmental delays um, there are a lot of books like that coming out and out of my mind is about Melody who has cerebral palsy. So she's not able to really move on her own. She's not able to always control her movements. Um, and she also can't speak. So out of my mind is before she has like, I forget what the machine is called, but it, it translates, she's able to type in it and it'll say what she's thinking. Um, so in out of my mind is really interesting because you get to hear all of Melody's thoughts and, you know, people assume because she's, unable to speak that she doesn't have anything worth saying which is completely and utterly false ridiculous it makes no sense to me um and that book broke my heart because of the way a lot of the people treated her in that book and she had some people that were her friends that didn't turn out to be great friends so I was nervous when they announced that a sequel was coming out to that book called out of my heart And because I love Melody and I want only good things for her as a character. And luckily, out of my heart, no hankies unless you're crying tears of happiness. Because Melody is about to start summer and she wants to go to summer camp. So she goes to the library and she looks up information about um, summer camps for kids like her. And the librarian is able to help her get a pamphlet and she finds this camp and so her mom is kind of like on the fence but at this camp it says that they'll be able to go horseback riding they'll be able to go swimming and all this kind of stuff that like Melody never thought she would be able to do so they apply they say it's full but then they get the call like the weekend before that there's a spot for her so she goes and it's just so heartwarming because she meets these girls in her cabin that all have similar experiences to her and she's just able to make friends. And I kept reading it, you know, waiting for something bad to happen. And there is one moment that's a little worrisome, but not for the reasons that like out of my mind was a little worrisome. 
Um, so I definitely read it. It's a pretty quick read too. I listened to it, but um, it's not that long of a book either. So, but you should read out of my mind first before you read out of my heart, because I feel like if you didn't know anything about Melody's story, you probably wouldn't care about her being able to like go to a summer camp and make friends like she does. So check those out. They're at the library. It sounds like a like positive, inclusive story. Mm-hmm. Like a, I love that. That sounds that great. Really great. All right, last question of the pod. Okay, on a our last question of the pod comes from Natalia, age nine, from our Gaines branch. Natalia asks, "Why can't I fly? Don't we oh, all want to know that?" Same, mm-hmm. Natalia. Same. I- Right there with you. Before I answer this question, because I get the fun job of answering this one, uh, Jill and Courtney, has there ever been a time in your life where you thought maybe, maybe you could fly? No. (laughs) No. I I feel like I've, everyone asks like, what superhero power would you want? And flying's always listed as one, but I feel like Mm -hmm. I would rather teleport than fly. It's much faster and it wouldn't mess up my hair. Well, that's good. That's good to know because there's no way we are going to fly as humans, which I will get to. But I thought at least one of you would say yes. I just want to share a quick story, a mildly embarrassing story about myself when I was young and I thought maybe I could fly. Unfortunately, I didn't get hurt. Nobody got hurt. Um, But I did want to let you know the story really quick. I was probably about five. I had like a really vivid dream one night um, that I could fly, but it was more like Superman style, like not wings, kind of just like go forth and fly that's fair um yeah and so this dream convinced me that maybe i did have this power and this dream was like trying to tell me that in fact i could fly so the next day at school and i don't know why school seems like the best and least embarrassing place to try this out um rather than like the privacy of my own bedroom seems like a bad choice Um, i i'm I'm waiting for something bad to happen Yeah, no, it it doesn't end well. Um, So, you know, again, I'm five. I went to use the bathroom. The school that I went to then, um, there was like stalls, but but they were like short. You could like see the top of classmates' head when they were like standing in them. You couldn't see anything when they were sitting down. Um, I don't like that. But there was like no doors. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. But I, you know, went to go use the bathroom and I thought now is my time like I'm, I've got some privacy I'm going to see if I can in fact fly I took a you know few deep breaths and I was like all right now's the time so I like picked up a leg and put my arms up and then I pick up my other leg and um as we're about to learn humans for sure can't fly and probably will never fly without the use of airplanes so I just fell right straight onto the floor everybody saw everybody heard it the teacher came running over and asked if I was okay and I tried to play it off like I was just doing normal bathroom stuff um but yeah no so it turns out I couldn't fly so so let me tell you a little bit why it isn't possible. Um, it's it's impossible for like so many reasons, <laughs> unless we use airplanes, unfortunately. Um, and I also think it's important to point out before I get started that that we don't really need to fly. Birds have acquired flight as an important means to survive, and we haven't had to do that. We uh, thrive on our own two feet just fine. Um, you might think that maybe like, oh, we could, you know, thrive even better if we could fly. Uh, but that is not going to happen. Sorry. So let's talk about why. One of the biggest reasons is gravity. We are just too big. Um, 
compared to the strength of our muscles to be able to get any lift if we did have wings our bodies and our bones are not adapted to flight um however like with a bird birds bodies and bones are adapted to flight birds have hollow bones um, which make them specialized for flight and it's not just that their bones are light because they're hollow um some of their bones actually are lighter than than mammals their size other mammals their size but some bones are heavier like their sternum and their bones need to be really structurally sound um, because birds go between flying and walking on their two feet you know back and forth all the time so their bones need to be very strong and they cannot be weak so it's not just that you know their their bones are hollow and so like they're lighter um but it's that they are also pneumatized meaning they are filled with air sacs which allows for the easy passage of air into the bones during flight um now humans we do have pneumatized bones but mostly like just in our sinuses which doesn't really help in flight at all <laughs> for us um but this allows birds to take air into their bones this boosts boosts their oxygen um it kind of makes it so that they get to breathe twice they have relatively like inflexible lungs so they take air in it goes into their bones and it goes back into their lungs and it's kind of like getting two breaths um at, at once and getting all of the oxygen uh that they need for their muscles um meanwhile again human bones are dense and heavy and filled with bone marrow and mostly um they do not accommodate air except for like our sinuses and we're just really too awkward in other ways <laughs> to fly the shapes of our bodies um our muscles our lungs don't absorb enough oxygen in each breath which is what you need for your muscles to function over long long periods of flying uh yeah i, I unfortunately i could go on with like the reasons <laughs> that we won't be able to fly um we would also not be able to create enough lift uh, by flapping our wings attached to our arms because of how heavy our bodies are um our wings would have to be massive in order to support the weight of our structures even in small children who are lighter for the most part than grown adults uh they don't have enough muscle capacity to create lift um our arms and our chests are really just too weak and um so then you might think like oh well i'll just like beef up and get really strong muscles um and i'll be able to fly but it's kind of like a if you give a mouse a cookie situation meaning like if you gain more muscle mass you gain more weight yep. if you gain more weight your you bigger wings bigger. Your, your bigger wings are gonna and bigger like, pants way more and bigger that's right and then you're gonna need to gain more muscles and that's gonna be more weight and you know it's just it, you can go in circles so there's really so much holding us back um with being able to fly and i don't see any time where we will be able to you know genetically modify somebody to grow wings because really that would have to to happen like in the womb and there's no way to consent you know, with that oh, um, fetus that, you know, the here, let's try to give you some wings. So really unfortunately without airplanes, um, we are stuck on the ground, but that's okay because we are doing pretty well for ourselves yeah. down here on the earth. And who knows, maybe yeah. in, you know, a hundred years, jetpacks will be more common and we can just use that's a jetpack right. instead of having wings. I did read a good yeah. dystopian um, by Marie Lu that talked about um, these people that were genetically modified to have wings come out of them. And it sounded so painful. It was a no yeah. from me, dog. And then it just, yeah, it seems like, how would you wear your shirts? And yeah, they're always just going to be like in yeah. the way. And could you lay down on your back to like take a nap? Probably not. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, no. And it's like, are they, how do they fold so that they're like hidden? Yeah. And is it like, you know, like whenever I think of werewolves and they transform from like humans to werewolf, I'm like, all your clothes are gone. Like your clothes are just constantly Done. ripped. So mm-hmm. your shirts would just be oh. ripped to open up for your wings. And this is a very adult thing to say, but I think health insurance would go up even more. <laughs> Because, like, falling from the sky, should you, like, not make it in your flight, and, would be very costly. And I can tell you, falling from standing hurts. I've recently slipped on some ice, enough. and um, I injured my tailbone, and it's not a fun time, friends. It's not a fun time. Um, but that... No, thank, thank you. Thank you, Emily, for answering that question, and hopefully not crushing You're... Natalia's hopes and dreams. Because, hey, jetpacks. No. Jetpacks. And and again, Talia, we are right there with you. I I very much feel for you. It would be cool to fly, but it's just not going to happen. So I guess what did everybody learn today? Well, I mean, we learned we can't fly. And That's right. we also learned what the tallest building was and that it's soon to be usurped, which is a little scary to think that a building is going to be even taller than like, what was it, like 2,200 feet and yeah and then how quickly will that building be usurped yeah I feel there's like, the like is... several buildings in the works right now that are going to be taller mm-hmm. wow so many buildings wow wow mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what did right, you learn that's... emily oh what did i learn um hearing i guess i didn't learn i kind of already knew like how hearing worked but i feel like now i really need to go like research it some more and really like delve into that because it it blew it really just blows my mind to think about so I think that's probably yeah what got me today what about you Jill um I I personally loved all the information about birds and the way that their their lungs work and the way that they Mm -hmm. breathe and have those air sacs I think birds are really fascinating um, I was at a bird show this summer, and they talked about how even if that bird is like one ounce overweight, they shouldn't fly that day because their their weight is so affected by by their their flight Yikes. or their flight is affected by oh their weight, gosh. which of course just ties right into what you were saying is uh we we're never gonna fly. <laughs> nope, we're never gonna fly. <laughs> it's just not for us. Oh well, bummer. Well, that's it for us today. Um, As always, thank you for the amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world, too. If you have a question or if you want more information, you can always visit us at kdl.org forward slash stump. Um, And please tune in next episode where we're going to answer more of your questions. As always, a huge and special thanks to the uh, KDL Amy Van Andel Library and Community Center, which, again, we are not at this time, but we do appreciate their support. The KDL marketing team, a huge and special thank you to them, as well as J.D. Delinsky for our fantastic music. Bye!